Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. You see, we believe that church is so much more than just attending. Church is about belonging. And so this series that we're jumping into right now, you're here for the first part. And this series is called I Belong. I belong. And we're going to take the next couple weeks to talk about who we are as a church and how you belong. So if it's your first time with us this morning, I just want to say welcome home. You know, we are so excited to have you here and excited for you to be a part and hear about what God is doing here at the Movement Church. But before I jump in this morning, I just, I have to acknowledge that uh, my incredibly good-looking husband, who is also your lead pastor, and he'd be so proud that I was saying this from the stage this morning, wouldn't he? He actually uh, took an emergency phone call because one of our pastors and our board members for the Movement Church lost his father on Thursday night. And um, they, his whole family, had to travel up to Spokane, Washington to be there. And we wanted to know how we could help. And the best way that we could help as a church was to say, hey, don't stress about your church today. Pastor Kerry's going to drive up, and he drove up this morning uh, near Pasadena to be with Summit Christian Church who's one of our, our board members and one of our pastors. And so he went up there to, to preach to their church this morning and, and really to help make sure that their church was taken care of so that we could take care of our pastors. And so you get me this morning. <laughs> And thanks, guys. You make me feel good for being up here. Um, But Pastor Kerry wanted me to send his love. He was very upset. Let me just tell you that I was the one that got to kick off this series because he had some great ideas. Um, But I'm really excited because what we're talking about today is something that I'm extremely passionate about. And so really, as much as I've prepared a word to share, I'm hoping that today I can share with you some from my heart. And um, we're going to talk about what it is to belong. And so I'm going to need a little audience participation today just to make me feel good, partially, um, but also because I want to get your feedback. So all the extroverts in the room, I'm going to need your help because the introverts are not going to participate, and I know it, okay? So here's what I'm asking. I need you, you can talk back during the whole message. If something's good, say it's good. If you want me to preach harder, tell me to preach harder. That's okay. We, we like to be family in this room, okay? But here's what I need right now. I want to know from you, what are some areas, where are some places that we belong? What are some things that we belong to? And this is where I want you to yell it out. All my extroverts, help me out right now. Don't leave me hanging up on the stage by myself. A gym, a church, what else? Family, we belong to family. What what are some other areas where we can belong? I have no idea what was just said. (laughs) No idea. So many different places that we can belong. We can belong to different kinds of groups. Um, We can belong to a mom's group. If we're women in this room that have children, we can belong to a sports team. Maybe some of you um, are still playing sports. Some of you in this room are at the age where you should be doing this, and some of you probably need to calm down a little bit. Bunch of our guys went out and played flag football on Thanksgiving, and I think there was like five injuries, okay? That should tell you something, people. Now, there's lots of areas and places where we can belong. And, and the thing that I want to talk about this morning is that all of us have a desire 
to belong, an innate desire inside of us to belong. But so many of us just don't know where to begin. You know, oftentimes we search for it, right? We search for where do I fit? Where do I belong? Almost like a a ninth grade freshman who is going to a brand new high school with brand new friends. And you walk in to the school and it's like, I have got to figure out where I fit. Who are the friends that I'm going to hang with? Who am I going to sit and eat lunch with today? What's the sport that I'm going to jump in and be a part of? It's this like searching and desire to belong. And all of us have that inside of us. Every single one of us innately desires it. I think that sometimes we busy ourselves so much to pretend that we don't need it because we're so afraid of being rejected or let down. And honestly... I think that sometimes we live under the illusion of being connected, but not really connecting. You know, our world is oversaturated in connections, oversaturated in connections, but yet we're deeply disconnected. How many of you in this room have a a cell phone? Okay, um, let me just see that again. How many of you in this room have a cell phone? If someone sitting next to you is not raising their hands, we might need to help them out. Okay. How many of you in this room, I I saw some teenagers look around the room like, um, where's my phone, mom and dad? I saw that. Okay. Almost every one of you in this room raised your hand because we all have a cell phone. And that cell phone connects us to so many people, doesn't it? In fact, when you go in restaurants nowadays, you see people sitting around a table with a group of friends or family, yet there's no conversation that's happening because everyone is on their cell phone. If you have a cell phone and it's in your hands right now, would you hold it up in the air? Yeah, we're so connected. In fact, some of you right now in this very minute, we're getting on to check your Facebook status. I know you were. I'm not that boring, okay? You can get on Facebook and you can check in at the Movement Church and let everybody know you're here and they need to come hang out with us. But other than that, stay with me today, okay? But yet we are so connected, but yet so deeply disconnected, aren't we? You know, there's an overabundance of of noise in our life. Many of us, this morning as I was driving to church, I kept hearing this, cha-ding, cha-ding. And I'm like, "What what is going on? And I pulled out my cell phone, and there's this application that we were using to try to sell some things. It's called the Five Mile app, and it's kind of like a Craigslist, and we were selling some furniture. And it's dinging dinging, dinging with, with conversations, which is really good for me because it means somebody might want to buy what I'm selling. That's awesome. But my phone was just going off. And many of us, we have Instagram notifications that are flying up on our screen all the time or Facebook messages that are coming up, emails that are flashing on our screen, demanding our attention. We're surrounded with noise, but yet we're lacking deep soul connections. We've learned though, to prefer these kind of surface relationships, haven't we? We've learned to prefer these surface relationships where I can use this great big wide world of social media and social connection to stay connected to so many people, but yet I keep them at an arm's length, don't I? Because I control your perception of me. What I put out there for you to see, what I put out there for you to read, this is me controlling your perception of me. This is me allowing you limited access into my world. And everybody else is doing the same thing as well. And we've learned to adapt this philosophy, philosophy of this arm out connectivity where I'll let you come as close to me as I feel comfortable with, right? This is the world that we live in. So connected yet not connecting. 
You know, I belong to the CRA middle school Facebook group. I don't actually know how I became a part of the CRA middle school Facebook group. Somehow they were able to put me a part of the group, and I don't, I don't think I accepted anything, but I may have. I don't know, but I just get these notifications all the time that my group is connecting. And, and they're connecting on Facebook, and they're having these conversations. This happens to be the school that my child attends, and I do have a child in middle school, so it's not too strange. Hang with me. But, but I'm a part of this group, right? And, and here I am, a part of this group, but yet I don't know them, and they don't know me. Because all we're doing is having little conversations and, and sharing information. And, and some people are sharing concerns on Facebook, but yet there's not a deep connectivity. Because I haven't spent time withdrawing my arm enough to say, come close and get to know who I am. And they haven't either. We are so connected, but yet we're not connecting. You know, we don't want people to tell us what we need to change, do we? I'll determine what feels right for me. I'll determine what works for me. You just stay right about here, and I'll have lots and lots of connections, right? We look for this anonymity, but yet our soul longs to be known. And the dangers of this kind of connection, the dangers of this kind of connection are that we lack authenticity, don't we? We lack authenticity, and so we end up in these relationships that never go past the surface, And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you have been in situations where you long for a deeper connection, but yet you feel like you're just being kept at an arm's length. The dangers of this kind of connectivity is also that it triggers insecurity, doesn't it? It triggers insecurity and inferiority, comparison, competitiveness, judgment. When all of our connectivity is with our 1,500 friends that we have on Facebook, and we feel like our life is rich in relationship, but yet the illusion of what we're perceiving is that everyone else has this perfect life that's happening to him or her. What about mine? And it drives insecurity. It drives comparison. It drives judgment calls, doesn't it? This type of connectivity will contribute to a shallow belief system. Why? Because I'm going to take what I want, and I'm going to reject what I don't want and what I don't feel like I need. It will contribute to a shallow belief system. It will contribute to us feeling a void of fulfillment because we never go deep enough in a relationship to be challenged to become all that we were created to be. In this type of connectivity, our lives actually get smaller. They actually get smaller. Did you know? that in between your 30s and your 40s, that you actually start shrinking? I'm shrinking before your very eyes. You just can't see it. It's like minimal. But it's real. This is real. Between your 30s and your 40s, you actually start shrinking. And the only way to prevent this is by working out, lifting weights, and stretching. Everybody in this room is going to hit the gym. All all of you between 30 and 40 are anyways, right? We're going to hit the gym afterwards. By lifting weights, by stretching, we begin to reverse the process, right? Because we're lengthening, we're strengthening. And the same thing happens in connection. We can feel like we've got all of these relationships, but yet our lives are actually shrinking because we're not really connecting. 
Same thing as though I'm getting older and I've got all of these years, but if I'm not doing what it takes to stretch and to grow and to build some muscle, then I am actually shrinking before your very eyes. This way, not this way. If it was this way, it would be awesome. Hey, listen, God's plan for Christ followers was never that we live lives of isolation and fictitious connection. It just wasn't. But it's that we be adopted into his family to find relationship in his family. You see, there's something about family, isn't there? Family is different than all of these kind of connections. Family knows your dirty laundry, don't they? Literally, they know your dirty laundry most of the time. Family gets to see you at your best times and at your worst times. Family uh, gets in your business, whether you like it or not, don't they? Yes. Some of you are really nodding your head with me right now. They know what your hair looks like when you wake up. They know what your breath smells like when you haven't brushed your teeth yet. Family is loyal. Family will fight for you. You know, when Brooklyn was in third grade, Avery was three years old, and, and Brooklyn was dealing with this. These are my children, by the way, for those of you who are brand new. I have two little girls. One turns 12 this week. Ha! When she was in third grade, she was dealing with this mean girl in her school. And, and really, it was a girl that had been a friend of hers, and then she just started just being downright mean. I mean, like Brooklyn would walk up to the line in the morning and say hi, and she would go, I mean, I watched it happen. I wanted to go take her out. I really did. But I was like, we're coaching Brooklyn through it, and we're trying to help her be a good friend anyway. And, and so Brooklyn is like resolving this in her heart. So we have this little girl over for a play date, right? Parents, it's a good thing to challenge your kids to fight the things that are really challenging for them, right? And so we have Brooklyn invite this girl over for a play date. And Avery, who is three at the time, has heard about a little bit of this drama. And she comes running into the bedroom with her little chunky legs. And she's, oh, so cute. She comes running in with her little three-year-old self. And she puts her hands on her hips. And she stared that girl down. I mean, she didn't, she, she was intimidating at three. And she stared that girl down. And then I heard her go, don't be mean to my sister. And I was like, okay, Avery, come on, let's go play. We're trying to work things out here. And, and family, it just reminded me, family is fiercely loyal, aren't they? Family is fiercely loyal. And, and family is far from perfect. Let's be honest. Every single family has some kind of dysfunction. Everyone. There is not a person in this room who is d- exempt from some kind of dysfunction. Family is not perfect, but family is a place where we belong, isn't it? And God's intention all along for Christ's followers was that we find a place to belong in his family. If we look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 6, I'm going to read it to you in the message version. And I love what it says. It says, in this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each one of us finds our meaning and our function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? I had this picture when I was reading this verse, and this is going to date me in this room, of the Adams family. Does anybody remember the Adams family? Oh gosh, I know I'm old. Okay, and there was this character in the Adams family that was called Thing, and it was a hand. 
It's like a forearm and a hand, and it like participated in conversations. It was the most awkward thing you could ever watch. And it was like, what is that thing? Yes, thing. A chopped off finger or cut off toe doesn't amount to much, does it? It's just strange. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all of these excellently formed and marvelously, marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we are made up to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. What is this verse saying? You and me, we were created to be a part of God's family. We were created to be a part of God's family, to play a specific role in a specific part. And, and when we bring all of those parts together, we get this perfect whole, this thing that God is trying to work in and through. We were created to be a part of a family. You see, we're no good on our own. We are better in the bigger picture. We're going to read in just a moment in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. And the reason I want to share this portion of the scripture with you is because in this chapter of the Bible, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Ephesian church. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. And honestly, this is a chapter in the Bible where Paul is praying this dedication prayer over the Christian church. And many theologians have likened this prayer that Paul prayed to the same prayer that Solomon prayed all sorts of years ago in the Old Testament after he had spent all of his time and all of his life building the temple of God. And they liken this prayer that Paul prayed dedicating the Christian church to the same prayer that Solomon prayed as he was dedicating the temple. And this has great meaning for you and for me. So let's start Ephesians three fourteen through 21, and it says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on, and on, earth, on earth, earth, earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may also dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I love this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask, think, or imagine according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And this is Paul's prayer as he's dedicating the church. The church has great meaning. The church is God's family where we were created to belong. In this prayer, Paul is establishing this. In that beginning verse in Ephesians 3, 14, it says, For the reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Hey, listen, Paul is linking us right here in this moment, in this first part of the prayer. He's linking us to family. He never is speaking to the isolated human. He is always talking to a united church. He is always talking to a united church. And Paul's assumption, just, just his straight-up assumption as he's writing this letter, is that you and me, that were planted in the church. That's just his assumption. He's linking us to family. He never is speaking to the isolated human. He is assuming that we get this idea that God ordains from the beginning. So why the church? 
Why the church? This is one of the things I'm most passionate to talk about, and I, I, I guess you can probably understand this because Pastor Carrie and I moved our entire life to South Orange County uh, four and a half years ago so that we could plant and start the movement church. So I'm slightly passionate about the church and what that means. So you're going to have to bear with a little bit of my excitement here, okay? So why the church? Well, Jesus, he came to earth to seek and to save the lost and to establish the church. That was the reason he came, to seek and to save the lost and to establish the church. And the church is God's vehicle of reaching the lost, of reaching people who need to know that there's hope, of reaching people who need to know that they're loved, of reaching people who need to know that they're valued, that God created them with a purpose, that it's not by accident that they're here in this great big wide world, but no, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. The church is God's vehicle to communicate this message that The church was his idea. In fact, the scripture refers to it as the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ, that means something he is so in love with, right? There's a man in the Bible, and maybe you know of him, maybe you don't, and his name is David. And if you don't know about David, I would encourage you to to learn about David because his life is, is so crazy and amazing. He was a nobody who got anointed to become king, but he walked through a lot of trials and tribulations on the way to getting to that place where God had called him to be. But David is the only man in the Bible who is known as a man after God's own heart. It's the only time in the Bible that this is said. David is a man after God's own heart. And I think there's a reason why. You see, David was passionate about building a temple where people could come to worship God. He was passionate about this. But God said, no, David, you're a man of war. I can't allow you to do the work that goes into building the temple. I'm going to give that work to your son. And David says in 1 Chronicles 22.5, David says, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, right? Exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory through all the lands. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Listen, David recognized that the church The house of God was supposed to be, listen to those words, exceedingly magnificent. The church, the place where we gather is supposed to be exceedingly magnificent, full of fame through all the lands. Why? Because David realized there is something so special and so important about the church. So I'm going to give my life to prepare for this so that my son can execute it well. So Solomon grew up and he did. He executed the building of the temple with great prestige and created this amazing, amazing place where the presence of God dwelled and people could go to worship a true and living God. And Solomon prayed this prayer in 1 Kings 9, 3. And then the Lord spoke to him and said this. The Lord told him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication, which you have made before me. And I have hollowed this house. That means I've made this place holy, which you have built. And I have put my name and my presence there forever. My eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Gosh. God says, my eyes and my heart will always be for and in the church. Doesn't that establish such great meaning behind the church? 
the big church, the big church where there's so many little churches that make up the one great big church. God says, my heart, my passion, my presence is for the church. And listen, there are so many incredible churches all around Orange County right now. There are men and women attending incredible churches all around our region. All around our nation right now, there are incredible churches having services, and God is pleased and honored with his church. You know, when I got married, I took the last name Robinson. I married my husband, I said I do, and I took the last name Robinson, and I became adopted into the Robinson family. Carrie is one of seven children. His parents like to have babies, right? He's one of seven. And now all seven of those children are married and having babies of their own. We are all part of the Robinson family. We share similar values. We share similar passions. But each one of our unique family units makes up a different family. We have our own expression of culture. We have our own mission. And the same thing is for the church. There are so many incredible churches all united under the same values of making Jesus' name famous, of reaching the lost, of sharing the gospel. So many incredible churches, but then each unique church shares its own vision, its own mandate from God of what that church is to accomplish, of who that church is to reach. There are so many incredible churches, and we should be for one another and not against one another. And I'm telling you, this is the heartbeat of the movement, church. If that doesn't sit well with you, I'm sorry. You need to know this is who we are. We are for the church, the whole church, the big C church. We love the church. But God has given the movement, church, an expression that is unique to us, a vision that is unique to us, a culture that is unique to us. And part of what our job to do as Christ followers is to identify who is the church, where is the family that God has called me to be a part of, what feels like home, what's the vision that I can get behind, that I can attach my heart and soul to. It's important to know the vision of your church. It's important to know the foundation and the structure of your church. And if you're in the room this morning and you're going, well, what's the vision and the structure and the foundation of this church? Let me tell you. Come join us next Sunday at our Welcome to Church party. Right after second service, we will tell you all about it. And you can listen and you can decide, is this the place? Is this the family where I belong? And on top of that, at the end of this series, the last week in February, you're going to want to be here because this is going to be our Vision Sunday. And we're going to talk about the things that God has called us as the Movement Church to accomplish this year and in the years to come. So if you have questions about vision and direction, welcome to church party. And don't you dare miss the last weekend in February because you'll find out. But I love our church. I hope you love our church. We're not a perfect church, but that's because you're here, right? (laughs) I kid, I kid. (laughs) I love the church. I love it. It's a living, breathing expression of my God. And I love it. Paul knew this, and his prayer for the church is under the assumption that you and I get it. i got to speed up the process. I'm so passionate about this. I'm going to run out of time. All right. Let's jump back into Ephesians. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. Listen, that according to the riches of his glory, pause there for a moment, the riches of his glory That means that God has plans for us based on his resources and not our own. 
God has plans for us as Christ followers in the family of God based on his resources, not our own. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Hey, listen, he's praying for the members of the church, for you and for me, that we be strengthened in our inner man. What does that mean? What is our inner man? Our inner man is simply our faith generator. It's our hope generator. It's our determination generator. And Paul is praying that we will have strength in our inner man. Why? Because he knows that most of us quit on the inside before we quit on the outside, don't we? So Paul's praying this prayer for the family of believers. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Hey, pause there for a moment. That he may dwell in your hearts through faith. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Let's let Jesus take up residence in our life. Not just be an eternal visitor, but let's let him take up residence to move the furniture around, to situate things like he wants to situate things, right? Let's let him dwell in our hearts through faith. That you, so it's talking to us, the believer, the Christ follower, so that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, what is he saying? Rooted and grounded in love for God? No, actually, in this part, he's saying that you being rooted and grounded in love for one another. See, Jesus has a plan for you and for me, and his greatest desire is that we would love one another. Pastor Kerry preached about that last week. If you weren't here, listen to the podcast. So here Paul is praying for the believer that will be strengthened on the inside, that will allow Jesus to dwell in our hearts, that he can move things around and help us get things situated so that we can be rooted and grounded in love for one another. You know, when I studied the word rooted and I was looking at it and and studying what this meant in the scripture, it said rooted is like a living tree which lays hold upon the soil and it twists itself around the rocks and it cannot be upturned. To be rooted means to be established, that the roots run in deep, that they grip hold, that they can't be turned upside down, to be rooted and grounded in love. There's a scripture that I love and it's in Psalm 92 verse 12 and 13. And I got to read it to you because it's all about being rooted. It says this, the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. This is saying, not, not, that, we, not that we get it perfect all the time, but that we're, that we're uncompromising, that we're striving after righteousness, that we will flourish like a palm tree. A palm tree is rooted in the ground and it grows high. And the thing about a palm tree that I love is no matter what the storm No matter how great the winds, a palm tree can bend and it can sway, but it always comes back up to be standing, doesn't it? That's why the scripture says, like a palm tree shall flourish and be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. Then it says, they shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, incorruptible. Your life and my life is meant to be flourishing. It's meant to be growing. We're meant to have our roots running deep and be planted in such a way that our lives begin to grow. And this scripture says like a cedar in Lebanon. Do you know that a cedar can grow up to 140 feet tall? And a cedar is durable. It's majestic. It's stable. Hey, it's stable. It's not uprooted easily. It is stable and it's incorruptible. 
Did you know that the wood from a cedar tree is used to make cedar chips to put in things to repel bugs, to repel moths? Um, In fact, people used to store things in a cedar chest when they wanted to protect it. A cedar tree is incorruptible, and God wants our lives to be this way, right? Flourishing and growing. And then it says this, and listen to this part. If you don't get anything else today, could you get this? Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. God's goal for you and for me is that we be planted in the church. That we identify which church, which family does God want us to belong to, and then we let our roots run deep. That we begin to plant because it's when we're planted in the house of God that our lives begin to flourish. The church is fertile soil for flourishing lives. And listen, it can be all different kinds of trees. Maybe your life is like the kumquat tree. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. Maybe you're a cedar tree. Maybe you're a a juniper tree. I really do not know any more names of trees. So I'm going to stop there, but you get my point. The point is there's all different kinds of trees in the house of God. And your life may look like different ones of those. And they all grow at a different pace. God is patient with all of us. Your life does not need to look like the person next to you. It just needs to be planted in the fertile soil of the church so that the roots can run deep and you begin to grow. So find your church. If the movement church is your church, commit to the heart and to the vision of the house. Hey, listen, no one likes a bandwagon fan, do they? Some of you are so excited about the Broncos and the Patriots, and you've not been cheering for them all year long. And this is the Super Bowl, and you get an exemption today, okay? You can pick one of those teams. Some of you just want Peyton Manning to have a great game so that he can retire and be done, and we won't have him as competition anymore. I know, right? But nobody likes a bandwagon fan. Somebody who jumps from one thing to the next thing, just, you know, trying to find the winning area to be a part of. No, you got to stay committed. We will forever and always be committed to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I know, I know, I know you think we're crazy, but our roots are from Texas. Our roots run deep in Texas. And so we've got to be loyal to the Dallas Cowboys, even though they haven't done anything significant for the past 20 years. It's okay. We're committed to them. They may not be the winning team, but we're behind them, right? Because our roots run deep there. And every once in a while, God chooses to take you from a place where your roots run deep. And listen to me very carefully in his timing, not on your own fleeting idea, but in his timing, he does choose to move us just like he moved my husband and I from where we were planted in, De- in Texas all the way out here to Southern California so that our lives could continue to flourish and bear the fruit that he had for us to bear, but in his timing, right? But so many of us, we plant our roots in a specific place like this kumquat tree here, and, and we plant our roots, and we, and we like this. This pot's going to represent the church, right? And at this church, the thing we love about this church is, you know, let's just say it has great worship, right? Um, kind of like our team up here today just had incredible worship, and we like the worship service. Thank you for cheering for our team. That's right. Well done, guys. And we plant ourselves here, but then we, we start to hear about this church over here. Remember, all of these churches are great. God loves every single one of these churches. Every one of these churches these pots that are churches today, are God's idea, right? He loves them all. They are all great. But sometimes we plant our lives in the soil of a church and then we go, well, I like the worship here, but I kind of, the teaching is a little bit better over here. It's not a crazy lady who goes over her time limits. So 
I like the teaching over here, right? And so, so I'm going to come over here, but you know what, man, the people at this church over here, I really, they have great connect groups. I'm going to come over here. And then, you know, when I feel like it next Sunday, I'll come back for some good teaching and maybe for some good worship and maybe for some great connection and, and for some good teaching and for some great worship. And so many people attend church like that, but that plant, its roots can never run deep. They can never grow deep into the soil to come, to become attached, to become part of it, to be immovable, to be indestructible. Its roots cannot grow deep if it keeps jumping around to the next best thing. Hey, I'm just going to be honest with you for a minute, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable. This is a chronic problem in Orange County, California. Well, that speaker, I just love him and he's going to this church. So I'll go here. Well, that worship team, they're moving over to this church. So I'll go here. And we move our lives around instead of being planted in behind the vision and the culture and the heartbeat of the house. And God's plan for you and for me is that we find a place to belong. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap. We find a place to belong. This is God's plan. He wants you and me to identify where is the family? What is the church that God has called me to belong to? And then I'm going to plant and I'm going to let my roots run deep. And when I need to be pruned and when someone gets in my business and tells me something that feels really uncomfortable because really they just want to see me grow, I'm going to let them do it. Sometimes the pruner comes in to prune and we go, oh, I don't want to be pruned. Don't touch me. Don't get in my business. Don't arm's length, arm's length connectivity, right? So we act like that. But if we'll just allow ourselves to be planted, I'm knocking this microphone all around. If we'll allow ourselves to be planted, if we'll allow our roots to run deep, if we'll allow our lives to grow within the soil of the church, that's when our lives begin to flourish. That's when our lives begin to flourish. And here's the last part in Ephesians chapter 3, 18. This is Paul's prayer for you and me. May you have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, abundantly more than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be the glory in the church. Listen, in the church, the church is God's idea. There's no perfect church, but the church is God's idea. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hey, listen, if you will plant your life in the church, if you will understand that just like family, there's no perfect church. All of us are just trying to get it right. If you will plant your life in the church, if you will choose to let your roots run deep, you will reap the benefits and your life will flourish. There's five things, and I'm not going to preach on them. Don't worry. I'm just going to give them to you, that you'll see when you plant your life in the church. One, it will build your beliefs. When you come into a place and you, you put your arm down and you allow people to get close. You begin to grow and to learn and be strengthened in your beliefs and in your faith. 
You begin to understand who God is and what he wants to do in your life. When you plant in the church, it will build your beliefs. When you plant in the church, number two, it gives you a place to belong. When you walk out those doors, in just a few moments, there's going to be connect group leaders in the hall because this week we start our connect groups. And as our church continues to grow large, we're going to grow small at the same time through connect groups. And this is a place where you let people in, where you develop authentic relationships, where it's more than just being connected, but you're actually connecting. There's a place for you to belong. Number three, it helps you become all God wants you to be. God's greatest plans for your life are attached to being planted in the church. Number four, it teaches us how to behave. Some of us misbehave. You're laughing because you know. It teaches us how to behave. There's accountability in the church. It helps us to become all God has for us to be. And number five, your life will get bigger. Your life will get bigger. If that tree is planted in the soil and the roots begin to run deep, that tree will begin to grow and it will begin to flourish. And that's the kind of life that God wants you and me to live. And it all happens in the context of the church. This is the place where you and I belong. You know, in closing, Adam Clark explained how God's work in the church gave glory to the wisdom and the power and the love of God. He said, see all this? We should praise God for his glorious church. There is nothing as noble as the church, seeing that it's the temple of God. There is nothing so worthy of reverence, seeing that God dwells in it. There is nothing so ancient since the patriarchs and the prophets worked at building it. There is nothing so solid since Jesus is the foundation of it. There is nothing so high since it reaches as high as the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There is nothing so perfect and well-proportioned since the Holy Spirit is the architect. There is nothing more beautiful because it is adorned with the building stones of every age, every place, every people, from the highest kings to the lowest peasants, with the most brilliant scientists to the most simple believers. There is nothing more spacious since it is spread over the whole earth. There is nothing so divine since it is the living building animated and inhabited by the Holy Spirit. God loves his church. Can I challenge you to let your roots run deep and to get your life planted and you'll find the place where you belong. Let me talk to those of you in the room for just one moment as I wrap up who maybe you struggle with this idea of belonging to the church. Maybe you've been hurt before in the church. And I'm sorry. There's no perfect churches. There's no perfect people. But God's heart hasn't changed. He's for the church. So find the place that, that fits you, where you feel welcome and where you feel at home. And maybe that idea is challenging to you because your idea of family has been pretty jacked up. Maybe when I talk about family, you think you have no idea. If that's what family's like, I don't want anything to do with it. Maybe when you talk about God, you say, I, I don't even understand what a father could be like because maybe you've felt abandoned. 
And I'm telling you that we serve a God who's a good father. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. He won't let us down. Doesn't mean we won't walk through stuff, but he'll walk through it with us. And even if you've had the wrong idea of what family looks like, and I'm sorry you walked through that, can I just tell you, there's a family that you get to choose. You weren't born into it, but God's saying, I'm adopting you into it. When you say yes to Jesus, you become a part of his family. And some of you need to make that decision today, just simply to say yes, and then begin that process. So could you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're in this room, maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've just been doing your own thing, and and today is your day to come back and to get your eyes back on who God is. Maybe you've never said yes. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus because you just, you didn't really understand the whole idea of it. Can I challenge you to let today be the first day that you set aside the hurt and the pain or that you, that you stop trying to do things on your own and that today you say, Jesus, I give you my life. As I pray, if that's you, will you pray that prayer with me? In your own heart, you don't have to pray out loud. But if you're in the room and you need to make a decision to surrender your life to Christ, would you pray with me right now? Dear Jesus, I know that you're real. I believe that you paid the price for my sins when you gave your life on that cross. I know that I've messed up and I ask for you to forgive me. And today I make the decision to surrender my life to you. Now all around this room, if that's you praying this prayer in your own heart, say these words, Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at the ocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.